You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3 of The Chew Project. This episode, we'll be talking to the band Winslow. We have Kyle, who is the singer-songwriter, Rob, who plays piano, and Gary on the bass. They'll be playing a couple of their favorites, including The Beast and The Girl with the Red Blonde Hair. So if you love music, and if you love New Orleans music, this is the episode to share. So enjoy The Chew Project. We are here with Winslow, the band, not the band Winslow. Um, we have Kyle, Rob on the piano, and Gary as well. So thank y'all for being here. Thanks for having us. Oh my goodness. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the band, like how y'all came together sure. and what do you do? Um, so yeah, we uh, have been a band for about three years now, and we came together uh, I had a little gig at Bank Street Bar, and then uh, after that, I worked with Rob, who I knew was a really good musician. And uh, so Rob came on board, and then eventually it just built up from there, and Rob brought along with him his former Marine Corps uh, people, Gary, on bass, and then our original drummer, Cooper. Um, and so we've been playing for three years since then, yeah. It has, has the scene changed at all, or has playing felt different as time gone on? Um, I think we, in the past six months to eight months, we've matured a lot <laughs> in a lot of different ways. We've gotten a little bit more uh, concise and, and more concise and precise and consistent, I would say. Uh, so that has changed. And in terms of the scene, I think the scene is in New Orleans is, is, is fairly similar to when we started out. Um, yeah. Okay, very, very cool. And can you tell us a little bit about the music and the inspiration for the music and what and what song are you going to play for us? Um, so that's been something we've tried to nail down for a long time now. It's like what exactly we sound like. So there's, there's, there's different sides of our personality. So the side that we're showing today is a little bit more of the acoustic, kind of like uh, Mumford and Sonsy kind of sound. Uh, but we also have some funk and some blues in there as well. But I think, uh, yeah. Well, to build on Kyle's thing, like I think one of our issues is just we have uh, we have so many things that we want to do, right? Like if you're a piano player like me, you have 88 keys to choose from, and you want to kind of play them all at any given <laughs> point in time. Um, and so we hear something, or we spot someone doing a live cover on Facebook, or Kyle has this really, really great uh, kind of catchphrase or, or, or phrasism in, in his in his brain that he finds great music to put to. And we get caught kind of trying to do all of these creative things at once and pull in all these different directions. And as far as what Kyle was saying for becoming more consistent and precise over the past stretch of time we've been together, I think really what that comes down to is being able to edit ourselves and focus our energies into just one direction instead of getting like creatively quartered all the time. Ooh, microphone, hello. <laughs> no, and, and how have you been able to uh, manage doing that then? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so I, I think s since we, we started together, we, we've played at a lot of these places. We've made a lot of inroads to a lot of different uh, bars and a lot of different venues and, and with a lot of different musicians. And so um, just being out there more necessitates the fact that we have to be more consistent and have, have a product that we can be like, Someone could call us and say, hey, let's, we're, can you play tomorrow night from 9 to midnight? And we have something that we can just hop in and, and go do. So that is it, just the 
necessity breeds uh, inventions is, is the phrase. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and does it feel the same playing now as that it did a few years ago? Well, for us, I think a few years ago, we were kind of only playing maybe one or two bars, uh, kind of just chilling in mid-city, very, very small, and friends and, and family and all that. And we've kind of moved out. We've, we're now playing in the French Quarter and oh, a bunch of different areas. It's wonderful. We, we love it, you know? And the West Bank as well. You can't forget about the West Bank. <laughs> Gary, our bass player, uh, is, is, of course, from the Shout West Bank. Shout out to the West Bank. Yeah. West Bank, West Bank. And uh, <laughs> Gary's are, are like... We call him the king of the suburbs over there because he, he rules, the, rules the West Bank. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that you know, being able to expand and play has kind of opened us to just even knowing what the scene is like. You know? so, and I think going into that, like just playing at a bunch of different places and um, not continuously, uh, you know, we used to joke like it's almost like a, like a paid rehearsal or practice or something mm. when you're playing the same small, tiny bar for your friends week after week. But uh, getting called, uh, you know, by the bar owners and managers to play at a bunch of different places has kind of put it in a different perspective and we kind of went, whoa, all right, let's get serious about this. Yeah. Now that's one thing. How is the French Quarter? Because that could be madness. That's tourists and just different people and different states of intoxication coming through. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how, does, how, does, how did that feel the first time you did it? Uh, it the first time we did it, we, we played it, was, BMC was the first one. I'm going to say that was the first one. Yeah, and... Which, by the way, you can catch us every Friday in January at the BMC. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> um, yeah, so that we, we had an earlier in, earlier in the day gig, and it was just it it felt sort of vacant. But then also like as we and then there were like pockets of people coming in. So it's like sometimes you're playing to twenty five people, and sometimes you're playing to a couple. So it's just like you have to keep this weird consistency up, even though depending on who's walking in the room and who's not in there. So. And that's one thing. How are you? Uh, how do you not get distracted by people kind of coming in and coming out? Because that's one of the French Quarter things, where people mm -hmm. can kind of leave, for no reason at all, just because the nature of the French Quarter is you come in and out of places. Like, people might leave in the middle of your set. Mm -hmm. or Like, how, is that, how do you stay focused? Well, I think, um, for, like, for me, I mean, it, it almost becomes like a little game. Like, oh, how many people can we, like, get from the street? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you draw them in. And, and I think just getting more familiar with playing uh, at venues like that, um, kind of sculpting the set and making mm -hmm. sure we have a good flow to um, help facilitate that, I think, has, has really come along. So. Yeah, yeah. actually, building off of that, like, I think once you get the people in the room, and it, it's really like playing with the moment at the time, so, like, feeling the room, and it actually builds up skills for us of trying to figure out what the audience wants to hear. And so it's making, our, making us better entertainers as opposed to just musicians, like, adding that whole extra layer of, like, showmanship onto what was just musicianship at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process? Because for this first song is The Beast. The Beast. The yeah. Beast. Mm -hmm. Like, what was, the, what was the inspiration behind it? Can you give us a little bit of background? Um, sure. So, this, this is the song that has, like, the most words in it, probably, of any song. <laughs> the <laughs> most words. The most words. The most words. And, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records for the most words right. on a Wednesday song. <laughs> Um, so writing this song, I, I, I think I came up with the, uh, the music of it first before I came up with the, with the lyrics. And so when I actually sit down to write a song, I, I put a blank notebook in front of me and I have a stack of post-it notes and I'll start playing a song and then a phrase will come to me. And it, it's usually just a, 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 a bunch of images in my head at first. And so the first song, the first line in this song is, um, 
uh, what is it? <laughs> I looked at it. I looked out at something. It, once I actually started singing, <laughs> good lord! Yeah, I was sweating bullets as I fought <laughs> the hill. Thank you. Um, and so, I had this idea of, of uh, you know, I, I don't really think think in themes. I just sort of um, a lot of it is what word sounds good next. What what phrasing sounds nice? And eventually, as you move forward, you have these sort of conflicting things inside of you that you you know the message comes out of. Um, you know, it it fits within the context of how the words sound together. Okay, so just so I can understand, so you have mm-hmm. a blank notebook, and yep. then you have the post-it notes, yep. and then you play the mu- the musical part of it, yep. and then you just start writing phrases on the on the post-it notes. Yep. And then if if I don't like something, I just throw it. I take the post-it you, note away. You throw them away? Yeah, nothing sacred. <laughs> no, oh. no words are sacred. <laughs> it's hard to edit yourself, but like Kyle can do it. Some people save that stuff forever because every little bit can be used for some future. Pro- you're like, okay, you are not a um, hoarder of inspiration. No, I, so when I went to college, I actually had the really wonderful experience of having spent the day with uh, George Saunders, who's one of my favorite writers of all time. And I, so I got to have sit through a lecture with him. Then I heard him read a story. Then I got to have lunch with him. And he said, you know, the first job you do as a writer is you sit down and you start writing. Right, mm-hmm. and then one word comes after the next, and then you try to figure out what the next word is that goes after that, and it's it's super simple, in a lot of ways. But eventually, um, the bigger ideas. If if your toolbox is strong, and you've done the due diligence of like being an informed person or an empathetic person or someone who is um, reasonably intelligent, you know, as you move forward and you start the creative process. If, the, if one word flows into the other, eventually the, some, the, whatever um, miasma is in, in your soul sort of flows, flows out into the page. And uh, so my job as a writer is just to put one down after the next and, and hope that inspiration will, will strike. And, uh, and then revision and editing comes in later. Uh, so, so do you put these post-it notes in order? Or, or I'm trying to see how is it coming to play with the notebook. Yeah, so yeah. I put it in order, then I so I can take the the chorus and I can move it to the front, or I can move stuff around, or I could take the the last verse and make it the first verse. So um, it's like um, that Tom Cruise movie where he's uh, you know where he's <laughs> he's moving stuff around the air though. Minority Report. Yeah, but you're doing, you're doing the manual version with post-it notes. I think it's more like uh, a detective trying to solve like a serial killer murder, where like there's all these all these like lines Film going on. Music writing. Yeah. It's like trying to solve a serial killer murder, yeah. and the answer is the chorus. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Take gosh. it to the bridge. No, but but you okay? I'm sorry. So you're 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 putting it together, the post-it notes, and everything, and what mm-hmm. what inspired the Beast? Like, what is it about? Um. So the Beast is is. Like at, at its core, it's about the futility of war, mm. um, and so it's it's about a man who's going over a mountain, and then he sees something that he decides to kill, and then he realizes that it's another human being at the end, and uh, feels bad about having killed somebody. And so, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's like the heat of the heat of battle, and then um, our collective sort of unconscious that feel sympathy for other people and then eventually n- not realizing how our actions impact other people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sweating boots as I forded the hill. I gazed upon
or something I should kill And a demon died devotion burned inside my chest And gave my trigger finger free will to do its best Hold on, don't let go It's us and them against the women I will never know when to hold back Take it slow We invent the enemy within and we drag ourselves down with And the beast inside us grows The beast inside us grows The showering through the valley It cracks with whip The shot below my mid-wet And I began to slip I fell into a mossy glade Where a brook flowed And fox played I cracked my head And went to bed That is where I stayed Hold on Don't let go It's us and them Against the wind And I will never know When to hold back Take it slow We invent the enemy about the beast inside yourself they're always it's kind of like other people are monsters other people are terrible yeah like was there any did that influence at all when you were when you were writing that because that's so different from how people think of stuff now it's like actually that that makes me think about something i was considering the other day i saw someone post something about like the 2020 election right mm-hmm. and, and they're like the some Democrat that is going to get the nomination might not have the views that you view mm-hmm. and i and so you need to come to terms with that right now and I was like, yeah, everyone else needs to come to, term, come to terms with the, the person that they're not going to love. I'm going to love the person that is. So, yeah. so the, th- the thing is, a lot of it is we don't, um, 
analyze what we have inside. Like uh, Socrates was like, the unexamined man is not, or the unexamined life is the life not worth living. So that's mm-hmm. something I really uh, hold dearly. No, absolutely. So you, you played The Beast before, and you have an, another song coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. So um, what, a big part of our sound is, is like a blues sound. And uh, so um, this is a little bit of a two-step I need a woman to treat me right. We're actually going to switch it up and do the blues instead on you. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, this, is, this is sort of a fun song. Uh, it, it's not the most intellectually stimulating lyrics, but it's still... It's still <laughs> what was the inspiration for this song? Um, to be honest, I started with the lick, with, with, the, with, with the guitar piece. Or, um, and then from there... I, I wrote lyrics that sounded fun that uh, would fit into an old blues song. And so um, part of it was not uh, was a reaction to me not uh, drinking anymore. And part of, uh, oh, wait. Okay, can, you ex- <laughs> can you explain, when did you decide to not drink and how does it pl- feel playing at places where drinking is all around you yeah. and not drinking? Uh, Mardi Gras. <laughs> okay. Mardi Gras, you decided not to drink anymore? Yeah. Yeah, after Mardi Gras last year, I decided, I was like, let me take a little time off. Um, <laughs> and so I did a month of, of, of no drinking. So I did sort of the Lent thing, not intentionally, but... <laughs> accidentally did Lent. <laughs> accidentally did Lent. And then I went back to drinking for a couple of weeks, and I realized, you know what, I'm, I think I'm done with it. I think this is... And so since then, I've been uh, not drinking. That yeah. is... And you have made it in New Orleans not drinking, That's so right. congratulations. <laughs> Well, okay, what was the inspiration behind this song, then? The Girl with the Red Blonde Hair? Yeah. Um, so... Was there a girl with her hair red blonde? Yes, there was a girl who had red blonde hair. And uh, so this, it's part myth, part real, you know? So you sort of... Songwriting is sort of a, a mix between having these real experiences in, inform your life and then sort of building up the mysticism around the idea uh, and in, in this case like the mysticism around the idea of love and, and the idea of of having love lost and, and, and so was she was, was she like a love then yeah okay yeah one of those love lost uh, things <laughs> relationships that no longer exist <laughs> and so was it when you wrote this was this at the point when your the love was being pursued when you were in the love or was it love lost stage? this was this was in the lost stage okay. of the experience <laughs> post post love post love okay I like that and pre-love so and it's pre-love yeah because there's always more love to go around huh <laughs> all right well the girl with the red blonde hair yeah. with Winslow all right
Stuff it's just kind of heard there's like an Irish twang on it. Uh, we had uh, the kind of shanty esque thing with uh, with the beast where it's got that sway, right? That pirate lilt to it. Mm-hmm. And then this one is kind of like I want to say poppy, yeah, it sounds like American pop. It's a pop you know, song, it's a pop song. A pop song. Oh. The classic pop song, what's it called? Uh, Lose Control. 
Lose control with Winslow.
ends our interview with the band Winslow. If you'd like to learn more about the band or their upcoming show dates, you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the band Winslow. Next episode, we'll continue to give you a taste of the New Orleans musical scene with the John Scott Band. So I look forward to seeing you then on The Chew Project.